Darkness exists. It's true in the natural world, and it's true in the spiritual world. Only a naive person of catastrophic proportions would deny it. But take courage, friend. Good and evil are not locked in some type of stalemate to the death in our world. Our Savior has come to light the world with goodness. And in the end, it's not even really a fair fight. He is unstoppable. Light always conquers darkness. And if you're on the side of the kingdom of God, lifting that light to the world, you're going to be victorious. Let's get into it. And thank you, friend, for joining us at Arlington United. How many realize the world can be a dark place? I'm, I'm not talking about MLGW or the time of day, but in a, in, a, in a spiritual sense, in an emotional sense, the world can be dark place. I, I want you to hang on with me. We're going somewhere, and, and, and we'll go rather quickly. I know what time it is, but just this last week, we witnessed senseless violence and hatred. I can remember a time, Brother King, when if there was a mass shooting, you actually paid attention and people talked about it. I think one of the most tragic things in our country is last week we had somebody at Walmart turn into a, a serial killer. And then we had somebody apparently motivated by hatred for people that went to a nightclub uh, and, and apparently motivated by hate that this, this person destroyed multiple lives. But I'll be honest with you, can I make a confession? I've almost become used to it. You see the headline and it's, oh, it's another one. And we shake our head and we, even, even in our own community in Carterville, at that Kroger, there was a shooting like this. It, 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 it may surprise us the things that are happening, but the truth is Paul prophesied that wicked and deceitful men would go from bad to worse in the coming days. That doesn't sound very hopeful, does it, Brother Dennis? I mean, wicked men would go from bad to worse. And, 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 and in Timothy 3 and 2, he said that they would delude others and they would delude themselves. That wickedness would reach a point at which people, if I can just paraphrase here, would lose their sense of right and wrong. We live in a world where common sense and common decency are misnamed because both are in relatively short supply. We, we live in a time when, when hatred is popular, when uh, downing other people and calling them names and, and, and being inhumane to people is a way to get ahead. That, that is true. I've got a good friend whom I love very much. His name is Rakesh, and he is one of my professional mentors. I've known him 21 years. He is among the most renowned and respected psychiatrists in the world. Um, he, he gives talks in China and Saudi Arabia and it, just all over the planet. He's, he's a remarkable person. He, his research has opened whole venues in psychiatry. He, he's just a, a very accomplished person. But 
Rakesh would disagree with Paul's prophecy today because Rakesh and I, are, we, if there was a seesaw, we're kind of on the other ends of it. He is an absolutely committed optimist. His glass is not half full. His glass is always three-quarters full. He's, he's, he, he's overflowing. He, he, he just, everything is great, according to Rakesh. Things, society is getting better and better. And we have had a decade-long argument about this because he's like, no, no, everything's getting better. Everything's getting better. And I said, Rakesh, pay attention. Have you thought about this? Have you thought about that? It's a blip. It's a blip. It's all going to get better. And he, well, what about the, you know, and I'm, he thinks I'm talking about dry mouth, and he's talking about an ocean. He's, he's, he, everything's going to get better. It, it, it's just, it's awesome. He would disagree. He's always trying to convince me. He, he's a firm believer in what philosophers would call the Enlightenment. And the Enlightenment was an idea that if you give people enough education and you give them enough resources, that human beings, if they're freed from superstition and freed from, honestly, religion, that people would like the way to a greater future because mankind is basically good and if you can just show humans what to do, they'll do the right thing. The Enlightenment came about 250 years ago. It gave us a polio vaccine. It gave us the internal combustion engine. But it also gave us Hiroshima, Nagasaki, Auschwitz, and it's given us a lot of different things that are negative as well. Rakesh is always talking about that um, life expectancy is getting longer and that poverty is going down, and that's all true. But it seems that the gifts of the Enlightenment are that human reasoning and science and technology have brought us improvements in the material world, Brother Isaacs. But they don't bring us the same improvement in the moral world and in the spiritual world. Even at the same time that we, we have nicer cars than we've ever had. That, that's true. We have better housing. I mean, what person in America doesn't have a refrigerator? In 1930, if you had a refrigerator, you were a wealthy, wealthy person. Now, you may not think you've got the best refrigerator in town, but you probably have a working one, and you probably have something to put in it. There was a time, my grandfather, whenever we had Christmas, if we got to eat ham, he was excited. He'd say, we're doing great because we have ham meat. That's what he called it, ham meat. Had a sixth grade education. Why? Because when he grew up, Sister Ann, they had to sell their hams to the people in the city because they were too poor to eat it. And they would eat the rest of the hog because they raised their own food. You know, times have changed for the better in a lot of ways. But in other ways, they have not. The advent of modern sciences we brought has given us tremendous benefits materially, but we haven't made the same progress spiritually or morally. You answer the question, are we more connected today or less connected? You answer the question, are people more valued today and more alive with one another, or are they less valued and less alive? In our politics, people's division has become so sharp that people use abusive and hateful terms to describe one another, even in the United States of America. You, you, you just ask some Democrats how they feel about Republicans. You ask some Republicans how they feel about Democrats and, 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 and stand back, and, and you'll find, now, I realize these are generalizations, but in totality, I should be honest with you, our political speech is not what it should be if, if we really love one another as citizens. Common, 
our economic prosperity, rather than liberating us from anxiety, has been used to feed continued consumerism and seeking happiness through things. And now it's so easy because you just click the button and it comes to your door. Yeah. And, and, and listen, I, I want to be very kind here, but I'm just going to get where we live. Here in Arlington, we have lots of people that drive $40,000 cars up the driveways of $400,000 homes, but they're living paycheck to paycheck because they're crippled with anxiety from crushing debt because somebody somewhere told them that new is better and shiny will make you happy. And so some of the advancements, I'm using air quotes here, that we have have not come without a price socially, psychologically, mentally. In the realm of mental health, where Rakesh and I, you know, our, our, our diagrams kind of overlap and we work together in that era. In that, in that arena, Something is deeply amiss in our Western culture. If you look at people that move to America, first-generation immigrants, their rate of depression is under 10%. Their children have rates of depression of 20 and 30%. Something, my buddy Chuck Rezan says, is toxic about Western culture to mental and spiritual health. I'm talking about the world and, and, and we're living. Hang with me. We're, we're, we're going to turn the corner here. We're going to go somewhere. But there's something amiss because the rates of depression and anxiety are higher than they've ever been in recorded history. They tell us that through the pandemic, some rates of teenage depression and anxiety went up two and threefold to around 20 to 30%. Find three young people hanging out on the corner, one, two, three, and that one of them would be suffering from depression or anxiety. Now, that's not a sin. People have those things. But I'm saying, when those rates are so high, you ought to do what Sister Sarah just did. Just, just kind of stroke your chin and think, what in the world is going on? Because the world does have darkness. I'll sum it up by repeating my opening statement. The world can be a dark place. Everybody say, we're about to turn the corner. We'll turn it right now. I've got good news for the church. I didn't ask the Lord to make it dull and dreary and gray outside while I was preaching the sermon, but it's very effective because it does not feel like three in the afternoon here, does it? The world can be a dark place, but the good news for us, and you it's so good, you might just call it the gospel. And this news is God, listen to me, is not the kind of God who leaves darkness to its own devices. He is not laissez-faire. He doesn't live and let live. He doesn't just leave it alone. God picks on darkness. God overthrows darkness. And God overturns darkness by the power of his goodness. You ought to clap your hands and love the Lord. That's a true statement. God is in the darkness-destroying business. His very first words were, let there be and the darkness said, no, no, I, I don't think I want light this day. I'm enjoying the darkness. If I could personify darkness, Sarah had no choice. When God turns on the lights, the lights come on. When God says, let there be light, the light happens. Yes. In our text today, we read that God 
has done something about the darkness. Not just the darkness of creation in Genesis 1. He did something about the darkness of the created order in John 1. In Genesis 1, he steps in the portals of eternity and he says, let there be light, and the darkness had to flee. In John 1, he steps in the darkness of the formed human heart and he says, let there be light again. And when Jesus came as God's representative on this earth, Light came into our world, and light has been coming ever since because our God is in the business of destroying and disrupting and disturbing darkness. John has a brief telling in these five verses that Jay read of the Christmas story that God has come in the form of human flesh, and that light has forever pierced the darkness of superstition, hatred, evil, discouragement, hopelessness, and sin. I have terrible news for Satan today, and I have wonderful news for the flawed and incomplete and failing sometimes and fearful sometimes little children of God. The great news for us is that the darkness destroyer is on the march. The light giver is on the march. His name is Jesus, and he's still at work today destroying darkness. He's destroying darkness in our families. He's destroying darkness in our homes. He's destroying darkness in our character, and he's destroying darkness in our world. He is the light giver, and he's still at work. It is a fundamental fact of physics that you can confirm in any closet in your house. So I'm not going to belabor the point today. But just understand this. No matter how dark it is, when the light enters, darkness has no choice but to be banished. One match in a black hole makes all the difference. Because it doesn't take a thousand lumen light to illuminate the darkness for the day. When light comes, darkness has to flee. Look at verse 5 of our text today. It read in the version, darkness cannot comprehend the light. In other words, if you you transliterate that that word, if you take the literal translation of of comprehend, it means that the darkness, I love this. My my friend Matthew, he's translated the whole New Testament from from an ancient text. He's got a whole new word-for-word translation. And the word-for-word translation is darkness could not take light down. It does sound like a wrestling analogy. Darkness couldn't take light down. It could not capture it. It could not seize it. It couldn't overtake it. Darkness can't take light down. I've got a very simple message today that no matter what you're going through and no matter what you're experiencing and no matter what you're feeling, And no matter what your reality is, I'm not denying the circumstance. I'm just elevating the sovereignty today. I'm not denying the way things are, but I'm saying that things are different than the way they are once the darkness destroyer gets at work. Because darkness cannot take our Father of lights down. He is still at work. Can I tell you something? In the context between light and darkness, between good and evil, between the kingdom of God and the rule of sin, I am happy to report to you that God does not fight fair. It is not a fair fight, and he will be victorious, and he will win the victory, and he will bring his light to pass in your life. Our Lord is undefeated, our King is omnipotent, and our God is unstoppable. He brings light into darkness, and darkness has to flee where he comes. Look at verse 9 of chapter 1. It says, because Jesus came, 
Now that light of God has lit every person who comes into the cosmos. Because it doesn't look like it to me. Let me tell you something. This is how the light comes to the darkness. Every person born after Bethlehem now stands in the light. And that means that if they respond to Jesus in saving faith and obedience, that they are part of the kingdom of God. But even if they curse the light and they turn to the darkness, they are still under the dominion no longer of darkness, but they are under the dominion of God's own dear son. And my Bible says Paul prophesied that, yes, evil men will get worse, but he also prophesied this. Every knee will bow and every tongue will confess to the name of Jesus, to the glory of the Father. My God is King. My Lord is light. And He is winning the contest between light and darkness. Would you say amen? amen? For those of us, though, that are willing to receive Him, look at what happens. John said in verse 12, To them that receive Him gave He power to become the sons of God. Light is not blinding to the church. Light is illuminating to the church. And that power comes to us to be the sons and daughters of God. Jesus fleshed out what that new birth process looks like in John chapter 3 when he said, if a man is going to enter the kingdom of God, he needs to be born of the water and born of the Spirit. I'm so happy today to report that those of you that have been born in his name and those of you that have taken on his Spirit, there's a light inside of you. Jesus said in Matthew 5 and 14, you are a city that is set on a hill and it cannot be hid. What do you do with the light? For the motion? You don't put it under a bushel. You hold it up so you can see everything. And it can get to more darkness. May I submit to you humbly today, but also with boldness, could it be that in a darkened world around you, that it is God himself who has set you in the middle of the darkness and has set you in a prominent place with darkness around you in order that his light can cover and conquer more darkness. Could it be that the circumstances that you're in are all to the glory of God our Father? Could it be that the battles that you are facing is so that his victory can be greater? I'll be honest with you. My little flashlight, I just like to gather with the other little flashlights. And we can all hold up our little flashlight in our lighted room and we can say, this little light of mine, I'm going to let it shine. But if you've got a little flashlight in this room today, it's not going to do a whole lot of good because this room's already lit. But what happens when the church leaves the sanctuary and we go out into the place where Satan thinks he rules and we bring the rule of the kingdom of God is that the light that is inside each of us begins to illuminate our jobs. It illuminates our neighborhoods. It illuminates our workplaces. And God has the preeminence in all things. I love this. The book of Acts chapter 2. They not only spoke in tongues, but the first time, Brother Roy, that they spoke in tongues, a, a light came over their head. That's just so funny to me. Jesus said, you're the light of the world. Watch this. And on the day of Pentecost, boom, 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 120 candles. They had 120 candle light at the upper room. And Roy, he's been lighting up people's lives ever since. 
And that light that began on the day of Pentecost has spread around this whole planet. And you are a part of that heritage today. It is a darkness-defeating light that God has given us. And I want you to be so emboldened and so encouraged today, no matter what you're facing, that God is going to give us a victory. Would you stand with me today? We serve an unstoppable God. We serve an unstoppable God. That's the great news for our city today. It's the great news for your boss that gets on your nerves. It's the great news for your spouse that gets on your nerves. It's the great news for your kids that gets on your nerves. And your neighbor and everybody else. It's great news for everybody. Great news. Because he is the light. But we are his people. That means we, we don't generate our own light. We're, we're like the moon. We just reflect his glory into the world. But people can see by it. Yeah. Richard, you know the reason why you can drive 60 miles an hour at night and safe? Anne thinks it's because of her. Because she's saying, watch that, watch that. Tell her, tell her, tell her. She's probably right. But one of the reasons you can drive so far is that if you'll go outside and look at your vehicle when you leave this sermon today, there's a light inside of there. There's a bulb. But behind that light, there's a reflector. And that reflector throws that light further yes. because it's reflected. That's exactly what you and I are supposed to be today. God doesn't ask you holy to be holy, Rebecca, just because he wants to cramp your style or he wants to make rules that you have to follow or feel he doesn't ask you to be, to be clean and pure just because he doesn't want you to go out and just drink and drug and have a good time. The reason that he asks us to be holy is when we're clean and we're pure, we can reflect that light further and people can be safe yeah. as they travel. Oh my God, I want to reflect the light of God so well in my family that my family can travel safe from here to heaven. I want to reflect that light in my workplace. I want to reflect it in my home. I want to reflect it in my neighborhood. I want the light of God yeah. to be my light, Candace. I want there to be enough light in me that you can see your way anymore. I want you to have enough light that, that, that Larry won't stumble because we're all reflecting who he is, yeah. our unstoppable God of light. Every person under your influence is going to see his light within you. Proverbs 4 and 18. My God, I love this scripture. Paul said, evil men are going to get worse and worse. I got good news. The church is going to get better and better. Yeah. Watch this. Watch this. Proverbs 4 and 18. <laughs> The path of the righteous is as the dawning light. Yeah. Shining more yeah. and more yeah. unto the perfect day. Oh, the church isn't what it used to be. Hogwash. Right. People don't live for God the way my grandmother used to live for I don't. I may have never met your grandmother. But I know some young people that gave their afternoon to dedicate to Jesus. I know some people that lifted their hands to worship God today. I, I know some people that laid hands on an elder today so that his body could feel better and he could receive strength. I know some people that give their tithes and offerings. And I know some people that are going to pray for some people. I know that when Debbie broke her hip yesterday, I didn't just panic and say, oh my goodness, what am I going to do? My, my friend, she, she broke her hip. I texted Rebecca and said, would you please get the ladies' intercession group involved tonight? Would you text them and let them know? The light is growing. The light's growing. Jude just said it's over, so I think we're finishing. <laughs> Daniel 12 and 3 says, Those who are wise will shine, watch this, like the brightness of the heavens. 
And I don't know how long it's been since you sang this little light of mine or how long you felt like you were alive. I'm going to tell you something. You and Richard and Sarah down there on Mary Alice, in the spirit world, it may not be the brightest neighborhood. In the spirit world, there may be people that are depressed down there. There may be people that are going through marital problems, maybe people with health problems. But in the spirit world, there's a light that shines like the heavens. If you're walking in Christ, and it is unmistakable. Roy, that's why people come up to you and ask him to pray for you. Pray for them because they recognize the light. That's why, Candace, everybody tells you your problems. You roll your eyes, it happens. I know, I know. Because there's a light on you. And if you'll let that light shine today, God's going to do some awesome things. I, 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 I want all my battles over today. I want the crown today. I want the sash, most victorious. I want the buttons and the medals that say, miracle, 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 miracle. I want it all to happen right now. I want the church to, you know, we got to go find land and have multiple services. I, I want to baptize a bunch of people. I, I want Bennett to recite Romeo and Juliet. I, I, I want everything to happen today. But I'm going to tell you flat-footed, darkness is not defeating the light. My family's going forward. My faith is going forward. This church is going forward. Your family's going forward. Because God is at work, and he's going to be victorious. You believe that today? Just lift your hands and close your eyes and let's begin to pray. Let's just begin to pray. Let's just begin to pray that the light of God's love will shake our universe. Lord, start at the end of my driveway. Lord, start in my prayer closet. Lord, start in my marriage. Start in my children. Start in my job. Lord, I pray this week that your kingdom would come in my life. Let your light be evidence of me. I want to reflect your glory in this world, God. In the name of Jesus. Oh, friend, isn't it exciting to think about the light of God that is shining? It started in Bethlehem, and it has spread to every corner of this planet. And you and I have an opportunity to lift that light today, to say, Lord, cause that light to shine in me. Be birthed in me, Lord, as your spirit gives me the new birth. Give me, Lord your baptism of water. Give me your baptism of spirit and let me live out that light of the power of God in my own sphere of influence. Lord, what could you do through us today if we would each agree to let your light so shine in us before men? Let's do it. Let's be part of the winning team, the victorious side of the kingdom of God. God bless you, friend, and thank you for joining us at Arlington United.